What's up, Sifters, and welcome to this week's episode of Ask Shane Anything. Now, this episode is going to be shorter. My responses are going to be shorter because I'm coming off pretty much pulling an all-nighter with the Game Awards. Then I had to get up today and do a bunch of catch-up. I just finally got caught up, so I'm starting this way later than I normally do on a Friday. So my answers are going to be a little bit shorter, but that doesn't mean we don't have great questions. We have great questions from you guys, as always. Um, if you enjoy this show, maybe consider bumping up your pledge at patreon.com sifted to $7 or more per month. The people who pledge at that Ask Shane tier are the reason that this show happens. I also enjoy doing it. But without those people supporting in that way, I probably would not be able to find the time to do it. So if you like it, bump up the pledge. Everybody gets to watch. Everyone gets to ask questions. Let's get to it. All right, our first question for this week's episode comes from El Timbo. With all the games you have to play, what percentage of games do you actually finish? What is the last game that you completed 100%? Well, I guess the one thing I would say, the major drawback of being a games journalist in the position that I'm in right now is that I do not get to finish a lot of games. Um, I guess if I had to put a percentage on it, it would probably be, of the games that I play, probably 25%, like one in every four I actually finish. However, I would say that probably 80 to 90% of the games I play, I get almost to the end. In fact, I've got like five or six games sitting there right now where I'm like an hour or two away from the end of a really long game it is a little disheartening when you spend that much time on something and then you don't have that little piece of time that you need to go back and finish it off. I am kind of a completionist. I have a little bit of an OCD for finishing things, making sure things are organized. And it does drive me crazy a little bit in the back of my mind that there are all these games that I've played that I just didn't quite get across the finish line. And then it's like sometimes I say to myself, oh, okay, well, over the holidays, maybe I'll catch up and I'll finish off. That's not going to happen because I'll be going home for the holidays and what little free time I do have. Like, I need the time off. Um, and so I don't really play games over the Christmas holiday all that much. And so I don't really catch up. So to be honest, like, those games are just kind of dust in the wind. Will I ever go back and finish them? Sadly, probably not. Um, the last game I 100%ed, like, that's a dream for you people who get to play games for fun. Like, people like me don't get to finish games 100%. Like... Since I started working in the industry, I think I've maybe completed three games 100%, maybe. Like, that's just not even something that enters into my mind space, that I would ever 100% a game. I know a lot of you guys enjoy doing that. Personally, I don't think I would do it even if I could, because there's just so many good games coming out. And I feel like the 100% thing is for the people who only own one platform. I mean, let's be honest, if you're a PlayStation 5 owner and you got Spider-Man 2, you're not going to get another exclusive for God knows how long. You might as well 100% Spider-Man 2. But if you have an Xbox, or you have a PC, or you have a Switch, that next week there was like four or five other games worth playing that you just turn the page. Like, So people who 100%, like, generally I feel like those are the people who aren't willing to invest in another platform or just like their platform that they have so much that they don't want to have another platform. Um, I just think realistically, most people don't 100% games. I have no issues with people who do. Totally understand that some of you guys want to do it. You can do whatever the hell you want with your time. As long as you're not hurting somebody else, I don't really care. Um, but 100%ing a game isn't something that I even really want to do because there's just so many great games to play. It's like, I'm done with this one. Move on to the next great game. Why would I want to keep 
beating the dead horse, flogging the dead, I don't know. It's not for me, I guess is what I would say. So I haven't 100% of the game in years. Don't miss it. Don't regret it. Don't wish that I could. Um, I do wish that I could complete more games, though. I think that would help me with my mental health, maybe at least a little bit. All right, next up, we have a question from Lucky Wallace. What are your favorite X-Men characters? Have you ever been a big fan of the X-Men comics, films, or cartoons? Are there any X-Men games you would recommend? The last one I played was X-Men 2 Clone Wars on the Sega Mega Drive back in 1995. Well, Lucky, I feel your pain because let's be honest, there really aren't any X-Men games anymore. Like the last one that I even really remember playing was like the arcade one, the cooperative arcade game from like back in the 80s and maybe early 90s, late 80s, something like that. They just don't really make X-Men games. And let's be honest, like, X-Men has kind of disappeared. Um, I feel like the Avengers kind of took over and X-Men have just kind of fallen by the wayside. But I love X-Men. Like, absolutely. When I was younger, I loved X-Men comics, cartoons, anything you could give me with X-Men. I loved it. You asked me what my favorite characters are. Oh, that's a tough one. I don't even know if I have a favorite now that I think about it. Like, I don't, I guess I never thought about it in that way. Like, what's my favorite character from X-Men? I like the team dynamic, and obviously X-Men was kind of a precursor to a lot of things that would come later, and it is kind of interesting to see stuff that people like you and I have really been into suddenly, like, going into the mainstream and, like, having just, like, my mom care about Avengers. That's weird. <laughs> like, you know, a lot of people who made fun of me for reading comics back in my tweens, uh, those people now go see the Avengers movies and all the Marvel stuff, and, you know, they've forgotten that they made fun of me or what. I don't care. But anyway... Um, I love the X-Men. I've always loved the X-Men. I've collected the comics, at least when I was in, like, from, like, 10 to 13, I collected a lot of comics. Um, I didn't collect the X-Men obsessively. There was a few comics that I really got into. One that I really liked was one called Gru the Wanderer. Have any of you ever heard of that? It was like this, it was like a caveman, but it was like a comedy. I don't know how to explain it. It was hilarious. I love that comic, and I actually collected that one. I had, like, the first... 30 or 40 issues or whatever of that comic. I don't know whatever happened to them. They're probably worth money now because it was never all that popular. Um, so there's a couple that I collected. I collected all the Secret Wars stuff back in the day. And obviously there's a lot of overflow from X-Men into that. So um, I love X-Men, but I will admit like just all the comic book stuff, like since I left my teenage years, I don't care for it all that much anymore i'm not saying that you should or shouldn't depending on your age i'm just saying what happened for me personally um it was kind of funny to see other people be more excited about like superhero movies than i was like i liked them and i was excited to go see them you know i think like everybody if you're a part of pop culture you, you were excited by the films and i was too but not as much as like my sisters and like other people who never cared about stuff like that in the past. It has been interesting to see nerd culture bleed over into the mainstream. And in some cases, see the mainstream like the stuff more than I did. So it's been interesting. Um, as far as any X-Men games that I would recommend, no, like the Marvel Ultimate games are probably the best thing that I could say because there's X-Men in those games and you get to play as them, but they're not really... It's not really an X-Men franchise, per se, but I feel like that's about as close as it's going to get. And not only do you get the X-Men, you'll get dozens of other characters as well in those games. The last one was a Switch exclusive, so I don't know, you may not have a Switch, 
Um, if you don't, you may be just out of luck. Uh, but the truth is, like, X-Men have just kind of disappeared over time, been taken over by other superheroes. It's kind of crazy to think that we're getting, like, movies for things like Ant-Man and all these characters that I really don't give a crap about and, like, we can't get, like, X-Men stuff. That seems weird to me. Um, but I guess if I, if you forced me and held me down and I had to pick one X-Men that I like the most, I mean, it's, it's got to be Dr. X, Dr. Xavier. I mean, he's the leader of the X-Men he is a practitioner of the mind. He's not about uh, brawn and muscle and magic or whatever. Um, I admire that he can hold his own without physical prowess. So it would probably be him. But honestly, they all kind of fall. You know, I think it depends on kind of what mood I'm in, which one I like the most. So glad to hear that you're a great X-Men fan. So am I. It is a shame that that property has kind of fallen off of late. All right. Next up, we have a question from Gregor G. What do you believe are good qualities for a games journalist? What do you personally think made you successful in your career? What is the hardest part of your job? Okay, so I've hired a lot of games journalists throughout the years, and I can just tell you what I always look for. Um, two things, mostly. Uh, the first thing, passion. And I don't mean, like, I like video games. I like Halo, and I like Grand Theft Auto, or someone who likes, like, one or two franchises, even if they like one of the two franchises a lot. Maybe they're like an esports star at Halo or whatever. They're not a good games journalist. They're not going to work out. And when I say passion, I don't mean that you're like, I love video games and my friends love video games. And we all love video games. I mean, when you've been dipped headfirst into the pool of video games and held down there without any oxygen for a month or two and you pull you back up, you still want more video games. That's the passion that you need. That's the first thing that I look for. Because if you don't have that, you are going to flounder. I made a couple mistakes hiring people throughout my career. I will fully admit it. And I thought that they had the passion. They did a good job in their job interviews and in their writing samples. I felt like they had portrayed themselves in that way. But three or four months into the job, when they realized that it is just unrelenting video games, you start to find out that some people really don't have that passion. And you can't manufacture it. You either got it or you don't. Either you love it that much or you don't. And that, to me, is the most important thing, not just in games journalism, but in any position that you're hiring. Does that person have a passion for the work? And I realize a lot of jobs seem mundane or whatever, but you can still find people who are passionate about that work. And I think that's more important than anything. If you have somebody who is very passionate and very dedicated, you can teach them almost anything because they care so much that they will learn except for one thing. And that's the other thing that I look for when hiring a games journalist. And that is, can they write? I know that seems simple, but I mean it. Here's the thing. Writing is one of the most complicated, difficult things the human brain does. That's just the truth. And you can only get better at it by doing it over and over and over and over and over and over again. Everything you write, write it twice, write it three times. That's how you get good at writing. I can't teach you that. I can't teach you the dedication that you need to rewrite stuff. That is the biggest problem I've had with a lot of people is like they write something once and they're like, that's good enough. No, it's not. Go and read it again. Rewrite it again. I want at least one rewrite before you submit it to me. And if you don't have the passion or the wherewithal to do that, you're going to flounder. I can't teach you to write. I have tried. Some people can get away with submitting a writing sample that can fool you. 
Um, because, you know, a lot of people don't even request writing samples when they hire people. They'll go back and look at their old work. I don't do that. If you give me a link to a review that you wrote on the internet, I don't know how much of that is yours. Like, I've had to almost completely rewrite reviews for people. People who weren't working out, people who lost the spark, people who got lazy. I've had to completely rewrite them. So when you give me a link and say, this is my review, I don't believe that's your review, bro. It could be a case where your editor completely rewrote the whole thing. I've had to do it before because there comes a point where you've gone back and forth with the writer like 10 times and you're like, bro, I've just burned three hours going back and forth with you. I could have just written this myself in five minutes. And that is the, the rub. As a manager working in creative, there's this place where you, you start to wonder, it's like, should I just do this myself so I can get it done and get it out of the way and I can move on? But then that doesn't help the employee improve. It's these mental gymnastics you do as an editor. <laughs> and sometimes you just rewrite it. Sometimes you're like, screw it. I'm going to go through the two day long process. So that the next time this person hands in copy, it's cleaner, it's better. And I don't have to spend as much time editing it. Sometimes you do that. Sometimes you realize that that person is just a lost cause and you just keep rewriting their stuff until you figure out a way to replace them or find somebody else to do the work. So writing is important. Passion is the most important and passion ties into the writing. If you're not passionate about the games, you're not going to be passionate about becoming a better writer. Trying to teach somebody who can't write to write is one of the most frustrating, time-consuming, soul-crushing things you can ever do because you can spend a ton of time on it and get nowhere. So... Those are the two things to me that are most important. And then third would be your actual game knowledge. Can, can I give you a quiz? I don't, look, I'm not going to like ask you crazy stuff like who is the art director on Persona 3? Like, I don't do stuff like that. I ask like general questions about like, what are your favorite Microsoft franchises? What is your favorite PlayStation exclusive franchise? It just has to show that you know what's going on in the industry and you're paying attention. That's pretty much as far as I screen for knowledge of the industry because Let's be honest, Google exists. You can research. And if you're, again, if you have that passion, you will research and do your due diligence before you hand in any copy. So all of it kind of goes back to passion. That's why it's my most important thing. But writing and knowledge of the industry are probably the two uh, close seconds. Yeah. All right, our final question for this week's episode comes from Gino Mike one I live near Toronto and my favorite sport is hockey. Awesome, you're a smart dude. I am a huge Toronto Maple Leafs fan. I love hockey, and since the Leafs always struggle in the playoffs, the Pittsburgh Penguins have been my fallback team. Awesome, man. Welcome to the squad. Going back as far as the Mario Lemieux era, so the 80s and 90s, early 90s. If or when the Penguins get eliminated, I then root for the team I hate the least. Okay. Uh, do you have a fallback team for any of your favorite sports? Okay, Gino Mike. I do not. <laughs> I mean... So if the Steelers are knocked out or the Penguins are knocked out or the Pirates are always knocked out, so I don't really care about baseball all that much. But if you know those teams are knocked out, I do tend to try to find a team to kind of root for. Um, and usually it's the underdog. And I'll just say in general, I always root for the underdog, not just in sports, but in everything. I always root for the person who's being told they can't do it. <laughs> That's the person that I want to see do it. So I guess I just generically root for underdogs if my teams are eliminated out of playoff contention or out of the playoffs in general. And then do I have any fallback teams? I really don't. I really only root for Pittsburgh teams. Um, however, I will say this. Um, I do root for some of the local LA teams. Not hard, but I hope that they win because as far as I'm concerned, I want everybody around me to be happy. <laughs> and if LA teams win, you would be surprised how the tenor 
of the city changes when LA teams are winning and doing well. And it's great to live here. It's the same way in every city in the United States. So if the Steelers are out, the Penguins are out, I will root for the Kings in basketball. Like we have, we have friends who work for the LA Clippers. So I do root for the Clippers, even though I'm technically a 76ers fan. Um, but I root for the Clippers. I follow the Lakers roughly. Like I care a little bit if they win or they lose. I root for them when I watch them play other teams, unless they're the 76ers. So I guess like surrogately, I do root for local teams in the city only because I want everyone in my city to be happy. All right, that's it for this week's episode of Ask Shane Anything. I told you it's going to be a little bit shorter because I'm just running way late on time. It's already late on Friday here, and I still have to edit this all together and then publish it and get the podcast version done and all the graphics done and all the promotion done. It's going to be a long day, um, but I knew that coming into today after the Game Awards last night, which I hope you guys enjoyed. We'll be talking about that on Game Face on Tuesday again. This show happens because some of you guys pledge at $7 or more per month. If, if you guys weren't doing that, this show would not happen. So thank you. If you guys are pledging at that amount, thank you. Because I do enjoy doing this show. Uh, but I'm not going to be stupid and <laughs> just burn my time if I'm not, you know, earning a wage for the work that I'm doing. So I appreciate you guys who are pledging at $7 or more per month. If you like the show and you want to see it continue, maybe consider bumping up your pledge as well. Regardless, everybody gets to watch. Everyone gets to ask questions, and everyone will see me at Game Face on Tuesday.